In Jesus' name we've prayed. Amen. Uh, so welcome everybody to today's Bible study in Jesus' name. Two quick things. Um number one, we want to appreciate that and mom for joining our Bible study. Uh yeah. The anointing quorum in this Bible study has multiplied one thousand folds like that. So <laughs> yeah. Number two, uh, we must never forget why we pray in the spirit. Number one, we do it to you know, sometimes most times we've gone all day and you need to gather your minds together. Ideally, people would pray before Bible study, but since not everybody does that, we take some time to do that, to to put our spirits in charge, not our bodies. So and then we do it to build up faith. Because there's no point listening to Bible study if there's no faith to receive, nothing happens. The words are life, but we need faith to access that life. And having said that, for a few weeks we've been studying the foundational principles of of, of our faith. And that's where I'll start from today. Our anchor scripture, Hebrews chapter 6 from verse 1. Says therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrines of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying against the foundation of repentance from dead works. We've done that. Of faith towards God, we've done that. Doctrine of baptism, we've done that. Laying on of hands, that's what we did the last time. And there are two left: resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And let me start by saying that this resurrection of the dead is probably the most important to us of them all uh, on this side of the world because eternal judgment is is at the end of the age so uh, if we look at first corinthians chapter 15 um i hope we are writing first corinthians 15 that's the chapter where apostle paul deals with the resurrection of the dead but I want to show us from verse 1. I'll read from verse 1. Let me read my Amplified Bible. It says, And now let me remind you, since it seems to have escaped you. He had a lot of, you know, I've given us a bit of background of Apostle Paul and the Corinthians church. He had a lot of issues with them. And now this is him again reminding them. It says, Since it has escaped you, brethren, of the gospel. And it's interesting because it started. This is this chapter is dedicated to to the resurrection of the dead. But when he was going to introduce it, he introduced it as the gospel. It says, "And now let me remind you, since it seems to have escaped you, brethren, of the gospel, the glad tidings of salvation which I proclaimed to you, which you welcomed and accepted, and upon which your faith rests." So he's saying that this gospel I'm about to remind you of is the foundation on which your faith rests. And then verse 2, he says, and by which you are saved, you and by which you are saved, if you hold fast and keep firmly what I preach to you, unless you believe that first without effect and all for nothing. Basically saying you are saved as long as you hold fast and keep firm. That already throws the... One said forever save theory out of the bin. There are almost 80 scriptures in the New Testament that actually debunk that statement, but let's leave it alone today. Verse 3, it says, For I passed on to you first of all what I also had received, that, the, that Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, died for our sins according, in accordance with what the scriptures foretold, that he was buried. This is Apostle Paul describing what the gospel is. And he's saying, for I passed what I, you know, in the previous verse, I said some, what I told you that you have forgotten, that I need to remind you. So now verse 3 is starting to explain what he told them before. He said, for I passed unto you, first of all, what I also had received, the Christ, that Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, died for all our sins in accordance with what the scripture foretold, that he was buried that he rose, arose on the third day as the scripture foretold, 
And then he starts to mention from verse 5. He said, I also that he appeared to Cephas, then to 12. Then showed himself to 500 brethren at one time. The majority of whom are still, are still alive, but some are falling asleep. This is where we get the the thinking that this, because the, 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 this verse 6 says that he appeared to 500 at one time. And this is where we get the thinking that at the time Jesus was ascending, there were 500 brethren. So when he was saying, Tarry in Jerusalem and all that, there were 500 brethren. By the time the day of Pentecost came, there were 120 left. Where the other ones went, God knows. But there were 120 when the Holy Ghost came. So in 10 days, his church had gone from 500 to 120. Anyway, so verse 7 says, Afterwards he seen by James, then by all the apostles. Verse 8, And last of all, he appeared to me also as one prematurely, as one prematurely and born dead, no better than an unperfected fetus among living men. Verse 9 says, For I am the least worthy of the apostles, which all which am not fit or deserving to be called an apostle, because I once wronged and pursued and molested the church of God, oppressing it with cruelty and violence. But our, our emphasis scripture is actually verse 3 and verse 4. verse 4 where he said for i passed to you at first which that which i also received that christ died for our sins in accordance with what the scripture foretold that he was buried and that he arose on the third day as the scriptures foretold so if you are looking for a summary of the gospel is in is first uh, corinthians 15 3 and 4 that Christ. So, number one is that the Christ. Number two is that he died for our sins. It didn't matter the fact that he, didn't, he wasn't the one that committed the sins. But he who knew no sin became sin. So, he died for our sins, as the scripture said, and that he was buried, and that most importantly, he arose on the third day as the scriptures foretold. This is the summary of the gospel. And you know, uh, Apostle Paul summarizes this and says, oh, this is the gospel. Whereas if you keep reading, which we will at some point, but it emphasizes the fact that the gospel is not complete without the, the resurrection. And, you know, it was, for example, in, in, in Acts 23, you see how Apostle Paul got out of jail, out of, out of trouble. Let's quickly go there, actually. Acts chapter 23, verse 6. It says, But Paul, when he perceived that one part of them were Sadducees, and the other part Pharisees, cried out to the council, Brethren, I'm a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. It is with regard to the hope and the resurrection of the dead that I am indicted and being judged. Verse 7. So when he said this, an angry dispute arose between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And the whole crowd was divided into two factions. Verse 8. For the Sadducees hold that there is no resurrection, nor angel, nor spirit. But the Pharisees declare openly and speak out freely, acknowledging their belief in them both. So you see a scenario where there are two major companies in church. In, in this council, the Sanhedrin, the Sadducees, so they have the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the scribes. The Sadducees believe there is no resurrection. The Pharisees believe there is, there is resurrection. And so Apostle Paul uses this key pillar of our faith in God to get himself out of trouble here. So the question is, what is the resurrection of the dead? And I have a definition here. Um, the resurrection of the dead is the coming, it is the coming back to life, the restarting of biological processes that have ceased, the arrest of decay, and the restoration and reunion of the spirit, soul, and body of a person, of a human. I'll say it again. It is the coming back to life the restarting of biological processes that have ceased, the arrest of decay, and the restoration and reunion of the spirit, soul, and body of a person. 
So you see that there are multiple components to resurrection of the dead. There is the fact that the person has completely expired. There is the fact that the biological processes are breaking down. There is the fact that decay is arrested. There is the fact that you need to reunite the spirit, the soul, and the body. I know we've said it before. The, the spirit is like the soul is like the bridge that connects the spirit and the body. The soul is the seat of your emotion, of your intelligence, of your feelings. Your, I feel like this, I feel like that. That, that is All of that is, is, the soul is like a theater. And it is where your spirit and your body, they fight, basically. Because uh, what your soul expresses is a function of which part, whether it is your spirit that is in charge or your flesh is in charge. We've done all of that before. So when a person dies, the Bible says they, uh, they rest from their, they rest from their labors and their and their works follow them. Part of this, so their soul is part of their works. That is the storage for for all the memories of things they have done, good, bad, ugly, whatever it is. But that's not what we are studying today. Death. We are, so death is usually a consequence of the body. Uh, why do people die? People die. Death is usually a consequence of the body becoming, maybe it becomes compromised. It becomes, usually death happens when the body is too compromised for the spirit to stay. The, but the spirit has to, the body has to be in a certain condition that allows the spirit to abide and when those conditions are gradually eroded or violently or, or, or violently altered the spirit can no longer stay the body has to go the spirit so it has to leave and the body dies so things like uh, maybe old age uh, terrible habits things like sickness things like diseases or you know people poisoning their bodies by wrong action we've all seen the adverts of cigarettes before even in this country they keep raising the tax on cigarettes people still don't stop buying and one of the you will be surprised that one of the biggest crimes that is dealt with at, at all the borders is the smuggling in of cigarettes into this country so you have all those big estate houses and, and, and people have dealers for cigarettes. Yet, knowing fully well that their lungs is, is being compromised, contributing to making their bodies unfit for their spirits to stay. So other things that cause death, you know, accidents. But beyond all those physical factors, there is also demonic influence. Or it can be that God simply calls a person home. In the case of Moses, the Bible says it was 120. His eyes were not dim. His natural force was not abated. It was God had to bury him himself. And 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 he got at, at so at that point Moses could not Moses had transcended normal death like people. He had he had com basically reversed the aging process. At 120, his eyes were not dim. His natural force was not abated. That was also the story of Caleb to an extent, where he said, I'm 85, but I feel as strong as I was 40 years ago when they sent us to the wilderness. To the wilderness. <laughs> God had reversed the natural aging process for, for, for Caleb, for, Josh, for Joshua. But in the case of Moses, because he had beheld God's glory, his own was on another level. That it was, you know, um, Aaron, when Aaron was to die, the Bible says the Lord told um, Moses to take Aaron and his son to the top of the mountain and remove the high priestly garment. As long as Aaron wore that garment, Aaron could not die, because it was that the the whole setup of the high priestly garment was in the order of everything the Lord Jesus was going to accomplish. So God had to strip it before death could take hold of him because Aaron was standing in an office that the Lord Jesus would eventually occupy. So God had to say, okay, remove everything. It wasn't that let him die royally and then we'll remove everything. No, as long as he's wearing it, death is not an option. And if we take that into our own lives, Jesus being our high priest, ourselves being the high priest, uh, priests under Christ, the high priest, Death, we are not susceptible to death like people believe. People might be crying in the world, oh, this is him there, this is hard there, this is... But as long 
as we maintain our status in Christ as priests, as kings, we, 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 are, we are not easy prey for the devil. The devil cannot just wake up one morning and decide, you know, I want to snuff out this person. It cannot happen. So you must rest in the fact that one of the things that God has conferred on you by your priesthood and your kingly duty is protection, is long life, is strength. Is your natural force not abating? You could. There was a servant of God that was it Kennedy Yakin that died, and and they were doing autopsy, and they checked, and you know they check out the organs and everything. And when they finished checking, they, they the person concluded that this this person their organs looked like the organs of a forty year old. The, the it wasn't that he aged. And failed and died. It was that he finished and packed his bags and left. And that is how a child of God should go home. You finish, you pack your bags, you go home. Not that a sickness came to knock you, or not that a, 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 a something, not that the devil succeeded in some way in cutting your life and destiny short. That was not our portion in the name of Jesus. So, um, so now that we have described the process of death. Now, what is the process of resurrection? And, and the process of resurrection, resurrection is a miracle accomplished only by the Holy Ghost. It was even when Jesus died, it was the Holy Ghost that went to find him to raise him up from the dead. So the, the, the miracle of resurrection has a number of components. So let me just mention five. So the, if you like, call it the anatomy of resurrection if you want. Uh, so there are five major steps. Number one is that for resurrection to occur, there has to be a restoration of the physical body to make it habitable for the spirit. Something made the body no longer to be no longer habitable for the body. In the case of the Lord Jesus Christ, he bled all, all the blood, he bled all the all the all the water, everything came out. So that biological system was no longer sustained. The Bible says the life of the flesh is in the blood. So when the Lord Jesus was completely drained of blood, that was it. And you know, there is this, um, there's this archaeologist, Ron Wyatt, that is believed to have found the, the Ark of the Covenant. And in, the, the interesting, the interesting, is someone that, it's believed that God specifically anointed him as an archaeologist to find things that normal people cannot find. He, he, he would describe his experience as being led by angels to specific things. So he, he according to well, according to the story, he found the Ark of the Covenant and and he found it right under where under where this under the spot where the Lord Jesus was buried, such that when the blood drained and the earthquake followed, there were drops of that blood on the Ark of Covenant when they found it. And they they actually sent a a, a, a sample of the blood to the US and they, uh, to labs in the US and found that instead, everybody has is it 23 chromosomes now? 23 from the mother. 23 from the father so 46 this blood sample had 24 had 23 from the mother had one wife that made it a boy so when everybody has 46 this one had 24 well anyway it's that's a digression i was saying that i i got there because the blood of jesus completely drained and you know the Lord also, uh, and then he died because biologically speaking, his body could not sustain it. But we know that it wasn't that, even though biologically speaking, his body was mangled and torn. Yet, he he was the one that still gave up. He had enough of the Holy Ghost that even when his body was torn in pieces, if he still wanted to stay on the cross, he could still have. So it was the but that's why the Bible didn't say and then Jesus died. The Bible says that and then he surrendered this, he bowed his head and so gave up, gave us his own spirit. So it wasn't the that's why Jesus said, I lay down my life and I take it. Nobody can take it from me. If he decided that he was going to stay on that cross, 
it was the power of the Holy Ghost was enough to sustain. If he decided from the cross he was going to heaven and he was done, he didn't want to he didn't want to go into the grave, he could have done it. But it was love that kept him on the cross for us. And so he died. So the second thing, uh, the second thing about resurrection is that the removal of whatever factor contributed to the weakening of the body. So in the case of the Lord, also you see that he, he was he, he, even though he resurrected, he, he came when he resurrected. He resurrected with a glorious body, a body that even though the scars were there because he was still saying showing Thomas, see my hand, see the holes, and the scars are there, but that body was, I believe the kind of body that Adam had before he sinned. It wasn't just an angelic body because on one hand, Jesus could, the Bible says they were gathered in a room. He came through the wall and said, peace be unto you. So that body could go through walls. At the same time, that body could eat fish because he got there and said, can I have some fish? Trying to prove that he, so that was the way Adam lived. I, I mean, Adam, lived in the garden of eden there were four rivers adam didn't need the canoe because he was walking on water it was the water could not swallow him because he was greater than so all those things that adam walked in were things that the lord jesus christ demonstrated to an extent and at the end of the age everything will be restored to how it was before mm -hmm. so second thing is the removal of what caused of the factors that contributed to the weakening of the body the third thing is the reversal of the decay process because by the time a person is dead and dropped somewhere, the cell starts to break down. It starts from a cellular level. All the proteins start to pop, break down, start to all the fatty acids and everything start to decay and all that. And then the fourth thing is that is the restart of... Uh, so when the process of resurrection kicks in, there has to be a restart of every fundamental biological function so now that person whose cells are if you if you are following you you try to imagine you try to see how great the miracle of the raising of lazarus was because he had been in, in the 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 reason jesus waited for, for to make sure it was four days is because they still believe that okay after three days the body has not really started to break down so if a person was was just that they passed out at some point they might still wake up so they don't really agree that a person has died until around the fourth day and because the decay process had not really killed that's why you know the bible was saying that it did not suffer speaking of jesus said he did not suffer his only one to see corruption so that's why jesus didn't wait for one week his body would have there would have been some decay but third day he was done he, came, he, was, he had finished dealing with them in hell he came out and you know the rest is why we are christians today so there are a reversal of the decay process a restart of the fundamental biological uh, function at every level and finally is the re-entry of the spirit into the body this is you know science has always tried to do this trying to create life trying to create life but they can try as much as they want the one part that they can never achieve is the reuniting of the spirit with the body the ones they do if they anything they animate is usually a demon that that possesses it or they do some anyway all sorts of madness that science does there's that they are dolly the sheep but Dolly was not really behaving. They they cloned Dolly the sheep, but wasn't really completely behaving like a sheep, you know. And of course, when they clone things, they sometimes those things come out sterile and all that. So you can try, but you cannot. You cannot replicate what the, the God essentially. So the 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 reattachment of the spirit to the body is the final step. So quickly over. Oh Time is already going. So um, now, having said all that protocol, we need to look at the, the actual doctrine of resurrection. And the first passage I'm going to read is Acts chapter 24. Sorry, Acts chapter 26. Acts 26, verse 8. He says, why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? 
why this is apostle paul asking the corinthians that why do you why should it be thought an incredible thing that god should raise the dead this is making it clear of the ability of god to raise the dead and in that um first corinthians that we, 15 that we read from verse 17 now I, I would want each, everyone to read this First Corinthians 15 when they get home. But let me just read from verse 17. It says, And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. Ye are yet in your sins. So that, that's why I started by saying that resurrection is probably, the, of the ones we have done, resurrection is probably the most important of them because it is the foundation of our faith. If Christ did not rise up, then our faith is in vain. Then verse 18 says, Then they also which are falling asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Verse 20 says, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruit of them that slept. So one of the reasons the Lord Jesus died and rose is to show us that the possibility of a new life. You know, when, like we've said before, when a person sins, the Bible says the soul that sins shall die. So when a person sins and the person has died, all they have done is paid for their sins to an extent. But the problem, okay, let's, I know there are a number of ways to look at this, but this is one of the, of the, of the ways a person sins. The Bible says the soul that sins shall die. So the person first dies physically. But now, because in the realms of the spirit, sin does not only have a physical implication. Adam sinned. And when Adam sinned, it wasn't just that he fell spiritually, he also fell physically. Because so the, all creation now is paying for what Adam did. Um, your lion is paying for it. Your bee is paying for it. Your mo even your mosquito. Have you ever thought of mosquito? When God created mosquito, do you think God created him to suck blood? No. Is the fact that mosquito has resorted to sucking blood is a consequence of what Adam did. So, so even creation is paying physically and spiritually for the fall of Adam. And so, so when a person dies and when the person sins and dies, number one, they pay physically by dying. Number two, their 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 debt of sin is still not fully paid. So when and now they have they have to spend eternity away from God because they are not their debt is not fully paid. So somebody that so when the person dies for their own sin, that their debt is still not enough payment for sin. That, so that person has to spend the rest of their eternity separated from God. So when Jesus, when Jesus died, Jesus paid for sin. When Jesus rose again, Jesus gave a showed us a possibility, the possibility of a new life. That's why Apostle Paul said that the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. So now that we are alive, we are not living our own life because our whole life is dead, is crucified, is judged. So now when we are alive in Christ, we are alive to God. We are alive by the life of God. You know, we were, we did study this some weeks ago, that it's an exchange. When Jesus comes and says, okay, by the justice of God, the soul that sins must die. Satan didn't understand the technology of God. He kills Jesus. That's why the scripture says, if they had known, they would not have crucified the king of glory. So he killed Jesus trying to get rid of him because of all these miracles he was doing. But in killing Jesus, now Satan by his own hand creates, you know, Satan likes to drag God and say, maybe you say you are just. That's the old principle of, of, of God sometimes allowing the devil to, to do things in people's lives because the devil goes to God and says, yes, but this person did A, B, C, and D. And because the person has not fully dealt with those things, I, I was reading the story of someone that his child was, I think his son was having mental issues. The son was in a relationship with a lady. The lady said she was not doing again. And so the boy started becoming a recluse, having mental problems. He would lock himself in the room for days. 
it won't come out. So this man started to pray, God, what happened? Why is this boy doing like that? And then God showed the servant of God a vision of something that happened in their generation about 150 years ago. It was in Amer it was American. So they they caught a red Indian. Is is ancestors God caught a red Indian, and some dispute shall happened. Eventually, they tied the red Indian up and set him on fire. So as the red Indian was dying, he was making some pronouncements against his captors. This servant of God, his generation, his ancestors were the captors, and now Satan has decided to come and he came to come and collect. What his ancestors did more than 150 years ago. That's why we must, when we pray, we must also pray not just to put the prayer, but also pray for revelation of what to pray. That's why the Bible says we don't know what to pray, how we ought to. You know, and one of the easiest ways, one of the ways to pray accurately is to pray in the spirit. But still, if 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 we need revelation of what we're actually praying for, if we are going to pray effectively. So when the Lord showed him that. He was able to now deal with that problem. He repented on behalf of his ancestors and then commanded that spirit that had alighted on his son to leave. The man said all that prayer took him by about 15 minutes. His son was fine. So because the authority we have, it doesn't matter if it was 500 years ago that somebody did. The authority we have in Jesus, uh, the, the, one of the biggest problems of the believer is that we don't even understand the authority we have in Jesus. Yeah, and then people start to suffer for what Jesus already paid for. So, so that was right. Okay. So, by the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, it, it opened a new vista. So, Satan crucified Jesus, and in, in and then he killed an innocent man. So, Satan was always accusing us before God and saying, "Oh, these sinners, these sinners, they don't deserve anything but death." And then he made the mistake of going to kill an innocent man. So God said, well, the one that deserves to die, there's a sentence of death hanging on them. The one that didn't sin that you killed in court. So now Satan has no case. Because now he has gone ahead and killed an innocent man. Then God can say, well, as long because now there's a justice vacuum. Before it was a sinner needed to die. But now, how does the devil compensate for a righteous man that he has killed? So God says, okay, as long as the the as long as the sinner, so as long as the sinner receives the sacrifice of the righteous man, his death is paid, then he can live the he can enjoy the life of the righteous man. So then now Jesus God basically says, you know, this is all it's it's a legal setup. In the justice scale of God, there is sin, there is death, there is the righteousness of the Lord Jesus, there is, and, and his blood. So Jesus died, whereas he didn't sin. So now we that we sin, we don't need to die. As long as we accept that the Lord Jesus is our replacement. That's why the Lord Jesus had to come as a man. He couldn't have come as God because he was a man that sinned. So he was a man that had to pay. That's one of the reasons Lucifer would never find forgiveness. Because... Somebody needs to pay for what Lucifer did. And I've taught us before that it doesn't matter. God's love does not cancel God's judgment. It is just that God's love drives him to find a way to pay the the penalty of sin. So God's love, that's why John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world. So it was love that first drove him. But the very next sentence says that he gave his only begotten son. So the love of God compelled God to become man, to come and pay for what man could not pay for. So the love of God does not clean out the requirement for justice. The love of God pays the full price. That's why the scripture says that when he sees the travail of his soul, he will be satisfied. What that means is that when the judge sees the punishment of the soul of Jesus, you'll be satisfied that the requirement of justice has been fulfilled. So the satisfaction that the father got in the death of Jesus was not satisfaction that I'm happy Jesus is suffering. It is the satisfaction that the punishment that Jesus received has now more than equaled this, the, the crime. So now, and, and let me let you know that it is not that the sacrifice of Jesus equals sin 
the, the the depth of sin is that the sacrifice of Jesus overwhelm completely overwhelms the death of sin. So a scale that was tilting this way towards death now completely tilts the other way towards grace because where sin abounds. Exactly. So uh where was I? Oh, Jesus. Okay, so I said that uh I read the scripture that says why is it counted such a big thing for God to raise the dead? And I also read uh, 1 Corinthians 15 from verse 17. I don't think I finished that one. Let me continue from verse 20. It says, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruit of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For all as in Adam all died. Even so, in Christ shall all men be made alive. 23. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruit, afterwards they that are Christ that is coming, then cometh the hand when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. Verse 25. For his must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. Verse 26, the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. So, so you see that death plays such a critical role. Death is not one of the, the death is an enemy because it's a consequence of sin. The wages of sin is death. But death is also more than an enemy. Death is also a rite of passage. So when people die, that's why scripture says from men's for blessed those that sleep in the when a person a child of God, we don't say even though it is the process of death, we don't say they died, we say they slept. Because after the death of Jesus, the child of God does not die anymore. The child of God has passed from death to life. So what all the child of God can do is sleep. The child of God cannot die. So, at a, like I've said, at a basic level, resurrection of the dead speaks of the body. But there are other resurrections in the Bible. There is the resurrection of the spirit. And you find that in Ephesians chapter 2, from verse 1 to 5, verse 1, it says, And you are equicking who are dead in trespass and sins. You can read that to verse 5. But basically, there's a resurrection of spirit, which is what happens when we become born again. Where we our our spirit is dies that was dead when when from all the from uh, inheriting the life of Adam, but in 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 Christ Jesus we be, our spirit becomes resurrected our, our our spirit becomes born again our spirit experience resurrection the other one is the resurrection of the mind you know a man is spirit soul and body. So there's also the resurrection of the mind. That's why Romans 12, 2 says, Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind has to be... The, the, the resurrection of the mind or the transformation of the mind is gradual. The transformation of the spirit is instant. When you get born again, your spirit comes alive. Bam. That's it. When your mind, though, is a process, your transformation and renewing of the mind takes time. And unfortunately, many Christians do not consider the transformation of their mind as a process that must be deliberately undergone. So you transform your mind by reading scriptures, by exposing your mind to scriptures. And so a child of God that does not read scriptures is not going to have a renewed mind. A child of God that does not read um, um, Christian literature, for example. You know, somebody was saying one day that, oh, I wish I had the spirit of um, one of these men of old that have died. And 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 somebody and then I think the Holy Ghost answered that. Go you go and read his books. That is the spirit. If you, you go and read the book, you understand how the man operated, and that is how you be able to walk in the spirit. Even though yes, there are mantles that are passed from generation, but if you want a push, if you want an understanding of how God worked with the man, go and read the things he wrote. 
the Bible is 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 basically a catalog of how God dealt with different men, all the way to Jesus, all the way to the apostles. So if you also want to, so and and you know the book, the one book in the Bible that was not complete is the book of Acts. If you read that book, you realize that book just ended abruptly, and the reason is because the book, the Acts of the Apostles, is not done. So when you are had when you are read up of Acts of Apostles, had the modern day apostles to that book, the things they have said, the things they have done, the 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 things they have written, those are things that help the transformation of the mind and and also of course the trans resurrection of the body. There is is in is in two levels. There is a resurrection that happens at rapture. All of us are going to be changed. The ones that have died, they will come back to life. The all of us that are remain will be caught up in the heavens. You also find that in First Corinthians fifteen, from fifty to fifty-seven, we won't all die, but we will be changed. So whether for those that have already died, for all of us that are alive, when the rapture happens, we will all be changed. We must drop this corruptible body that is always looking for food, looking for sleep, and is always tired. And we must pick up the incorruptible body. And then the second level is 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 what I first mentioned, where the miracle of resurrection, the miracle of resurrection happens. So a person dies, and then by the power of the Holy Ghost, the person is resurrected. So as I close, I'm just going to give. We are just going to look at a few examples of resurrection power in the lives of people for the first one is the widow of nine in luke chapter seven so uh luke chapter seven from verse 11 says, and it came to pass after that he went to a city called nine and many of the disciples went there with him and much people now when he came night to the gate of the grave, there was a dead man carried out the only son of his mother and she was the widow and much people of the city were with her and when the lord saw her he had compassion on her and said weep not and he came to him and touched the bear and did that bear him and said young man i say to thee arise and he that was dead sat up and began to speak and he delivered him to his mother so you see a scenario where the spirit of death that had been killing all the males in that house finally got the young man. The woman was a widow, so some something had killed the, the husband. And what killed the husband also came to find the the son and killed the son. And so now, but the Lord Jesus interrupted that burial procession and said to the child, Young man, I say to thee, arise. And he arose. The second example is the popular one we know. Uh, the story of Lazarus in John 11. I'm not really going to read that because all of us know what happened to Lazarus. You know, the, the Lord Jesus got there and said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came forth. But you realize that Lazarus walked out by himself even though he was still bound. That means there was, there was, there was the, the, the power of, it was the power of the Holy Ghost that dragged him out until when the, Holy, the Lord Jesus now said, lose him and let him go. And then at that point, he, could, he, he resumed the biological you know, walking and all that. But the Holy Ghost first brought him forth because the man was, you know, if you, you see the way they, they tie dead bodies, even if the person woke up, it's like, you know, you've heard this expression before, saved by the bell. And the story behind Saved by the Bell is that I think in the 16th century in England, they, they were, when they buried people, because they had, not come, they had not fully understood the science, so sometimes people will pass out and they will think the person has died and they will bury them. So they started to realize that the people that worked graveyard in graveyard realized that they were hearing screams. So maybe they bury somebody and the person suddenly wakes up under the ground and starts to scream and shout and pound and pound. And so they had a town meeting and decided and, and they were trying to, okay, how do we deal with, with, not, with accidentally burying people? So they decided they are going to put bells in their coffins. So they started to put bells in the coffin. 
So somebody wakes up and is frantically the the gravekeepers can quickly run there, dig it out, and bring the person out. That's where the expression saved by the pair came from. <laughs> I just wanted to add that one. Anyway, so the final the final example as we begin to pray is is the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Romans eight eleven. It says, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. So you see that the agent of resurrection is the Holy Ghost. There is, like I've taught us before, there is nothing, there is nothing you can do without the Holy Ghost. There is no way anyone can fulfill the mind. If it is something in the mind of God, though, there is no way you can deal without the Holy Ghost. The mind of God is too vast. The wisdom of God is too big that a man would think he can accomplish the will of God by his own might, through his own power. Read through the scriptures. Every time people have tried to help God, they've ended up complicating what God was trying to do. Moses speak to the rock. He spoke to the rock first time. Second time, because he was hungry, because himself and Herod were getting hungry, said, should we, we now give, should we provide water from you out of this rock? So suddenly now, that matter that was God giving what I, it has become we now. Should we now produce that? Then he went to the rock and bam, bam. Complicating the sufferings of Christ in the process. Personally, I believe that one of the things Moses came to do at the month of transfiguration was to apologize again. Like, Excuse me, sir. Am I being I'm sorry for what I did those years ago. Because it complicated the sufferings of Christ. Because the Bible says that rock followed and that rock was Christ. Speak to the rock. He spoke the first time and got water. The second time he went to strike the rock. And that's why when he, when he was apologizing, because God said, don't ever mention that matter. It was as good as beating God himself. And that, there was no coming back from that. So every time when I've tried to help God, the other example I've given us many times, the Lord Jesus said, Tarry in Jerusalem until you are, you are indeed required from on high. Peter, being restless, woke up one day and said, Oh, by the way, the prophecy has said, uh, Let uh, the let house be desolate, let his bishop break, let somebody else take. Did the prophecy say that? Yes. The person that gave, the, the spirit that gave the prophecy, you could have waited for the spirit to indicate. That's the spirit that the Lord Jesus said, Wait for. What does Peter do? He says, oh, let us cast Lot. Lot fell upon Matthias and was numbered with the church. Whereas, the Holy Ghost was somewhere else. Jesus himself, the same way he picked all these. Jesus that picked apostles knows, still knows how to pick apostles. Jesus was going to visit Apostle Paul. Like, the way he picked Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that was the same way the Lord Jesus picked Apostle Paul. He just did it. He just did it after he had left so though the replacement for judas was not matthias it was paul but you know peter instead of sitting and praying and waiting for the spirit to come so the spirit could tell him don't bother the the spirit that gave the 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 prophecy was the hand of the holy ghost is not too short to bring to to fulfill the prophecy the way he wanted but <coughs> peter went ahead and this is all. And so you see that anytime people try to help God and say, ah, let us help God do it this way, let us help, they end up complicating matters. So even in our own lives, we must never try to help God. If God has said, this, I'm going to do A, B, C in your life, the next question we should be asking God is, okay, how? Or what am I, what is my own role in this whole thing you want to do? Because if you say the Lord said I'm going, you are going to be a doctor, and you decide to go and do medicine, we are asked. God's plan is that you become a doctor of philosophy or of of of, of psychology or something, because there's something He needs to do through you. 
you end up being a medical doctor, you you complicate that matter. So we must when the I mean nobody can force the Holy Ghost to reveal anything. The Holy Ghost is King, He is Lord. So if He reveals something, He reveals it because He wants to reveal it. So also. Now that he has reviewed it, the question should be how should we how do you want us to do it? Should we what am I supposed to do? Like and that's one of the secrets of the life of David. He didn't lose a battle because he would always ask, Should I go? Should I not go? The first time he he, he was fighting the Philistines, he went he, he dealt with them, killed most of them, they ran away. Second time he wanted to go fight them again. And this time he said, Lord, uh, should I go? Lord said, no, no, wait. Until you hear the sound on top of the mobile chain, I'm going to head of you. Because the Philistines went back to their... The, the first time they didn't come with all the gods fully. This time they went back to Guan. All the, maybe they went back and sacrificed the holy member. And then they came back now. Because the Philistines were very spiritual people. You know, I, I, I've taught us before. That's how they ended up catching, uh, what's his name? Um, Samson, he would always go down. They worshipped, they worshipped a fish god, half half fish, half human. That was the god they worshipped. That's why they were by the sea. And so when when he was when he was Samson was always going down there, going down there, and he encountered a spirit that was bigger than him. That's why they removed his eyes. So he he he, he so but David because he always asked God, should I go? Should I not go? They are the the the. He was able to avoid the kind of calamity that ended up befalling Samson because he ended up going against powerful marine spirits that he wasn't equipped to deal with. So this time, David said, should I go? God said, wait until I go ahead of you, then you can go. So the reason Sam, Sam, uh, what's his name? Solomon had so much time on his hands to do every madness he wanted to do <laughs> was because somebody had fought all the wars. So he just came in and had so much time enjoy himself and, and at the end of the day he concluded vanity upon vanity. And you know God is wonderful. Even though the man wrote Ecclesiastes in a fallen state, God still put it there so that all of us will see the vanity of it. You think it's money that is stopping you from serving God. You will be shocked that when you have money, you probably will still not serve God. Mm. So, so, so that book is there to show us the vanity of the human human challenges and endeavors and everything. But anyway, the summary of today's teaching is that resurrection is a key part of the in fact resurrection is what seals our gospel the gospel that we preach you must never be afraid to say well jesus rose again if they say where is his grave why are you looking for the living among the dead there is no grave because it's not there and that is the validation of us if jesus could rise again then whatever situation we are going through any situation that looks hopeless, that looks lost, that looks dead in the water, the resurrection power of Jesus will go through it and raise everything up and give a new life into, into you know, like they say, there is still life in the old dog yet. That is not just, it's not just that there's life in the old dog, it's that the old dog is becoming new in our lives in the name of jesus mm. so wherever we are let's just bow our heads this evening the only prayer point i have is that we would ask for the resurrection power of the holy ghost to quicken us that god will quicken us afresh with his power with his spirit the resurrection is a key component of the gospel. That means the power for resurrection is available to us. I don't know whatever it is that you might consider be, that is dying, that is dead, whether it is dying, whether it's already dead. It is immaterial to the God, the Father of all spirits. So just begin to pray that in the name of Jesus, if there is a specific situation, mention it to Jesus. Mention it to Jesus. Say, Lord, I command them that the res I ask for the resurrection power of the Holy Ghost to quicken everything and anything that needs to be quickened in our life, whether it is your physical body, an ailment, or your or it's your spiritual body. Yeah, your 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 prayer life is on is on life support. 
your word life is non-existent. This is the time to ask for grace. Grace, ask for grace, ask for grace. For the child of God, what you always need is an infusion of grace. When you go to the hospital of the Holy Ghost, the, the drip he gives you is grace. Say, ah, Lord, give me grace. Lord, give me grace. Give me grace. Everything that is not working, I command them to work. Pray that anything that the devil might have affected, anything the devil might have destroyed, you know, the devil's ministry is to steal, to kill, to destroy. Whether he has stolen, anywhere he has stolen it and put it, the power of the Lord can bring it up. Whatever he has killed, the power of the Holy Ghost can resurrect it. Whatever he has destroyed, is it not God? Parousia vana tosiva, embre tosiza na yiko bre tosia kavana tosia, embele tosiza na talibarato. The Lord said to Ezekiel, "Can these bones live again?" So it doesn't matter how long the devil has destroyed it. It doesn't matter when the devil has destroyed. When he has finished doing his own. Like Satan killed Jesus and he, he, he had a party in heaven. All the demons on earth, they converged in hell that day to hold the party that Jesus was there. Unfortunately, that party turned out to be the humiliation of Satan himself. <laughs> in the name of Jesus, Holy Father, anything that is dead in our lives, we command life. Command life into dead, um, well, you know, what plans, dead purposes, plan, anything. Just mention it to the Lord. Command the resurrection fire. Any fire that is dead can be rekindled again. In the name of Jesus. Every cold altar we set fire to it afresh. In the name of Jesus. You have two more minutes to speak to the Lord about it. Command resurrection into it, whatever it is. In the name of Jesus. Zanto peretoskia banarole. Riboto velate skizanada baratoskia banderose. Maito veletoske babose sande. Nita barotoskia. In the name of Jesus. Zamprotoskia baratoskia. In Jesus' name we pray. I'm just going to ask. I'm just going to ask that to uh, release a word of life over everybody. Whatever is dead, command the release in the name of Jesus. Shall we pray? Father, we enjoy and we thank you. Because the scripture says, in him was life. And the light was the light of men. And the light shined in darkness. And darkness cannot comprehend. Thank you for the word of light. And light that you sent unto us today. We receive you all by faith in the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. The Bible says, In that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead shall also quicken our mortal bodies. Therefore, I speak to every hearer of this word of God tonight and those who will hear it by the prompting of the Holy Spirit later. That whatever is dead in your life, I command it to come alive in the name of Jesus. Your spirit, your soul, your body, your prayer life, your spiritual life. Your communication link between yourself and the Holy Spirit, the understanding and the revelation of the word of God. Hearing God, knowing the will of God, walking the work of God, doing the will of God, living a life of the Spirit and in the Spirit, doing the will of God and the supernatural ministry of signs and wonders. I command it to come alive in the life of every hearer of this word in the name of Jesus. I command the healing of the Lord and the quickening of your spirit and soul and body to know the will of God and to do it perfectly in the name of Jesus. Thank you for your servant who has brought the word of God today, the word of resurrection. That's the greatest hope that we have. 
Lord, I pray for every one of us that none of us will miss this resurrection. None of us will miss the rapture. None of us will miss this hope of eternal life in the name of Jesus. But that Lord, from today, this life will flow from us to everyone around us, to our friends, to our neighbors, to the sinners, and they will come to the knowledge of the truth and they will be saved in the name of Jesus. Fill us with the fullness of your spirit. And Lord, I command everyone that is weak or sick now, by the quickening of the resurrection power of God, I command you healed now in the name of Jesus. Lord, that you will touch and turn everyone. And that the spirit of God will permit every cell every organ, every system in our bodies and make us whole in the name of Jesus. I command the spirit of everyone to come alive. I command the power of grace to cleanse your mind and make it sound in the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. Lord, bless your servant and fill him with greater unction and bless all your servants, children of God who have joined this meeting tonight that is baptism of fire. But the Holy Ghost will come upon every one of you by the working of the spirit of resurrection in the name of Jesus. Receive a touch of God that tonight all of us will sleep peacefully and the rest of this week, the rest of this month, the rest of this year will be the best of this year. Everything will work well and everything going wrong will begin to go right in the name of Jesus. We are blessed. We are of the spirit. Every work of the flesh we destroy and we mortify it in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, take over every aspect of our lives and fill us afresh with your spirit. Thank you, Father. To you be all the glory. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Amen.